Welcome, everybody, to Learn With Lowell. Today, we are joined with Dr. Anis, a global thinker and technology explorer who has spent the last decade unraveling the mysteries of how technology influences our minds and society with her captivating talks spanning across the globe and treasure trove of thought-provoking articles. She dives deep into the realms of cybernetics, artificial intelligence, and the powerful technologies that shape our future. Basically, anything you want to learn about today or see in the world, she's studying it. So join us today as we delve deep into her fascinating work, explore the fusion of art and innovation, the intricate dance of culture and nature, and the ever-evolving relationship between science and technology. She is also a research associate at the Center for the Study of Race, Gender, Class at the University of Johannesburg, and the founder of The Right Technique. Let's stay curious and learn about Anis on this episode of Learning with Lowell. Okay, so for people who do not know, what are new techniques? Thank you. This is a very dear concept uh, to me. Um, the new technique uh, is the combination of two words. Um, the first one is techniques, as in technique, which means art, craft. Um, it can also mean the way in which you handle a tool, a tool being kind of like the, the prolongation of a human organism or the combination, the relation to a human organism. So that's technique. But nous <laughs> is a Greek word uh, that defines both uh, the spirit, the soul, uh, the movement uh, of the soul. And it's an interesting combination because it requires us to think whether our technique uh, our way of handling tools uh, is helping uh, mm. to reach to our soul, uh, to our purpose. Um, and uh, I found it uh, particularly important to remind ourselves whether we are handling tools that are helping us get closer to our soul, uh, closer to this movement inside of us. Uh, this striving to be, this striving to become, this striving to be alive and be together. At any point in this conversation, if you find value in it, please subscribe. It is hugely beneficial and it tells Google and everyone out there that this is content worth watching. Thank you for everyone thus far who has commented, liked, subscribed, and told their friends. Uh, or where the technique is going on another direction. So uh, the new technique um, became a collective of thinkers in 2014 and it was uh, a collective of researchers uh, and artists uh, and uh, we were really interested in trying to find ways in which sciences, the arts and modalities of uh, you know intellectual wisdom could interact and so we picked this concept um, as a as a way to signal uh, that we were interested in the soul. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because I think the I don't need, I don't think I don't think you need, even need to struggle that hard to think that most tools that we're building nowadays don't do that don't don't reach that mile marker of getting as close to the soul or to our purpose. It almost feels like nowadays um, it's like all of our tools are getting us further away from it, like social media. Um, everyone feeling disconnected and stuff, like we're like getting further away from it. Um, so it's both true, and at the same time, I think it's important to kind of maybe re-inject some ambivalence 
Mm. Uh, it's true because uh, technology, which is the addition of the temporal dimension, the logos, the temporal dimension to technique, uh, so the technique, technology uh, is really when a media is becoming the thing that is running by itself or, or that is uh, really shifting out the way we spend our days. It's not really a tool because the tool is usually you activating the tool as opposed to the tool having a temporal, becoming a temporal object, what we call a temporal object. Um, so what is important is remind ourselves that the, the technologies are only what we do with them. Mm -hmm. In itself, the technology can go in so many directions. And so where we're going to find the question of ethics, of values, of purpose, it's in the use, in the usage. Mm -hmm. um, because right now we see a bit of a collapse between the question of the function of a technological device and its usage. The problem mm -hmm. right now, the big problem right now, is that the technological devices that are really pululating <laughs> around us have a, such a narrow usage. And usually that usage directs a specific behavior. Mm -hmm. We should be, on the contrary, um, able to practice different usage and, and kind of be innovative. Uh, and usually that's what makes people much more happier <laughs> mm -hmm. when they are able to cultivate their own craft, their own way of relating to the tools as opposed to the tool kind of dictating the way we should behave. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I, I, was, um, I was thinking, like, how would I operationalize like that concept of us using the tools versus the tools influencing us in that way. And I was thinking like maybe we have like a meta structure that goes into like we could we can like create um like an AI generated template of some sort that like matches like our interests that then plays into like how we access our phone and technology. Um so that you get like the right balance. So it's not like myopic in terms of uh being like a holy one or like you get like stuck um looking at Instagram pic photos or something or like what all, all these problems people are having. Apparently uh kids like young people, um, like TikTok and stuff is like really bad. Like it's like really messing up their like body images and stuff. So uh, it's like how can we? I was just wondering like how can I take this concept, which is very it seems very true to me from what you're saying, and then take what we have, and then uh, meld it so that we can start like using it in the world. Um, it seems like maybe AI like this ability to like aggregate information and then tailor the, the information on a personal level might be a, a way to like bridge that gap with like a bunch of tools. Uh, their function and like how we want to interact with them because the people who are developing the tools typically develop them with a mindset of like of addiction or like even like news for instance is about like how can you click and like get people's eyes to stay on it versus like maximize it for truth or truthiness well you're touching on many many things here so um mm. and many very many things that are really important so i'm going to try to 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 unpack uh, a few things um the addiction is a symptom hmm. of the toxicity of our environment. Uh, in itself, um, 
the addiction is a way in which the technological environment in which we um, evolve has become uh, as rich a level of toxicity where people are starting to develop new pathologies. Uh, those pathologies are not so new. I mean, we are in 2023 in the first addiction center regarding uh, gaming online uh, was funded in the 1990s. So we already have 30 years of research around the, the way in which the use of certain devices can imply uh, what we call uh, a non-substance-based addiction. So an addiction that no longer has to do with an, um, a substance like uh, alcohol or heroin or cocaine, um, but with a behavior. Uh, and, and in this question of addiction, um, there is really um, uh, something that has to be uh, taken seriously which is the way in which the device itself should be um, regulated. Mm. Governments have a responsibility in not pollu not um, creating pollution. Mm -hmm. uh, Governments have a responsibility in the safety of their people, in, uh, in the safety of the, their citizens, uh, whether it's clear water, it's all right, and I believe that there is a right for a non-toxic digital environment. Mm. Uh, and that's where the question of how do we um, think about the parameters of our devices as really having an impact on the milieu, on the, on the, on the space uh, we share in the world, whether it is with our neighbors or it is with our kids or it is with our parents, grandparents, uh, our teachers, um, etc. So there is that aspect of the question of the addiction, and, and I'm happy to, to develop more. Um, there is the economic value of our attention, what we call the economy of attention. Uh, our attention has a a huge value now on the market. Uh, and this is uh, very important to think in terms of a long genealogy of the evolution of the, capi of the capitalist society. Mm -hmm. um, we are now called the fourth revolution. The in it's the fourth industrial revolution in, in the history of capitalism. And in that fourth revolution, which is about the advancement of digital technology as functioning for and within the market. It's calling into question whether we are able to create the foundation for a new political economy mm. where technologies are um, questioned and uh, for their impact on regulating the way in which citizens have access to a safe um, uh, digital environment. You mentioned, uh, you know, body image. Um, this is one symptom of the toxicity of uh, these platforms. 
that are feeding the pocket of very few people in the world. That's very important to remember. Uh, so while internet was really created as a peer-to-peer, as a bottom-up structure, uh, as an open access uh, structure. Now we're seeing the morphing of this platform, of this network into platforms that are uh, implementing a certain form of toxicity in our environment. And when I say environment, I, I both say psychic, mental health uh, questions. I say nature which is the environment because it's costing a lot of resources. It's costing labor uh, and, it's, and it's very extractive uh, on that level. And also an economic environment where it's dictating rules um, that the citizens have very, very little access to. So um, I believe that um, government have a responsibility in regulating the parameters of, the, of some of the devices that have now surpassed in terms of power uh, the nation state. This is one mm -hmm. of the big questions. We are now uh, in what I call with others in, in a digital environment. Yeah. yeah. I think historically, like when the oil barons in the U.S., like in the Gilded Age, when they, I, I think of it in a similar way, like people with power influencing politics for their benefit, so they don't have to, you know, pay regulations and stuff. And I don't think that's an alien concept in the modern world. Um, and so I wondered to what extent, like governors, governments will be able to adapt and uh, apply changes and regulation into these markets, into these, into this uh, technology and internet space um, to have a positive effect, like you're talking about when the people who are currently benefiting from it being a certain way are going to like influence politics to be what they want it to be or the regulation to be what it wants to be usually it's like it takes I mean, it takes like like you know rioting or, or protesting to some extent to like get uh people like the masses what they want in terms of a government um like in the 19 i, don't, I know more about the u.s i think you know more about the branch than me but in the u.s for instance like a lot of labor rights happened in like the turn of the 19th century when like the oil people wanted like kids to work in the mines, et cetera, like terrible stuff. But then people started like uh, protesting and saying like, hey, we're not going to work. We're going on strike. And that like for people to get like a four year work week or kids out of the out of the mines uh, and into classrooms, like people were like there were times where like they were literally shot and stuff in America. Um, so like it took like such a, a huge upheaval to the point of like people dying to like do these things that the people at the time really wanted to do, which is like, I want my kid not to go into a mine and get black lung by the time they're 18. Said, I want them to go to college or high school and, you know, have a nice productive life, which leads me to, like, to this general thought of how can we have the governments do what so far governments tend not to do very well? Um. So as much as I say that this is the responsibility, I think that history has proven uh, that um, people can protect people. Uh, mm -hmm. when the state is failing to do so. Uh, and so I think that uh, our current moment is definitely proving the importance of local organization, of organizing on a local mm -hmm. level. Um, I believe 
um, that um, there are programmers and hackers and developers and thinkers, inventors and engineers that are uh, totally ready and already uh, developing ways in which we can connect uh, and thus invest in each other outside of those giant um, platforms that are um, implementing a form of toxicity that people recognize. But it is like any drug you recognize uh, to a certain point, uh, the toxicity that it does. Uh, but it, we are now reaching a level of um, of a level of a level of a crisis, and I think this is the climate crisis that is really um, pressing uh, us to reconsider our uh, principles and our values and our priorities. And and I hear more and more people. And I think we are a majority of people wanting to make sense of our life in mm -hmm. a different way, to share and um, develop meaning bonds uh, as opposed to empty network-driven stimuli uh, responses messages. And so I believe that we are seeing a shift um, in the way in which people are looking for meaning and meaning in many ways and, and meaning and, and that the diversity of meaning uh, that is implying that we should be able to develop different techniques and different relationships to our technologies. Um, I have a lot of hope. Uh, I think uh, we've been going through various wake-up calls in the past few years and the more people I talk to and the more people I meet and the more I can feel that there is this urge uh, to make sense of what we do in a very radical way in a in a way that is really putting forward uh, the collective signification of what it means to be alive now. I think it's a great opportunity to be alive right now. We see the, the younger generation being so radically brave and inclusive. And actually outside of the inclusive, ex exclusive dichotomy, they are um, innovative. They are not thinking in terms of the short circuiting uh, capitalist tendency to just think about oneself. Uh, I can see um, a lot of um, uh, projects that are driven by the pure necessity to think beyond the present moment, to invent a future that makes sense. And I believe technology can be very useful for that. We just have to somehow reclaim our attention yeah. and invest this in attention, which is one of the most beautiful value we have, you know, to pay attention to someone, to a loved one, to a dear friend, to a neighbor, to an, 
stranger to the to a foreigner and and create our own network um and there are a lot of initiatives that are already uh, working toward that direction i don't think i will have had that same um this call five years ago but mm. now i see that there are a lot of initiatives and that somehow maybe individuals are able to see more and more how they can be part of this new tra tra trajectory. Hmm. So while governments should be responsible for uh, implementing parameters that protect and create a safe environment where technologies are implemented and used for the better good, and basically, the better good is like taking care of the climate crisis. Uh, I believe that there are slowly a, a bifurcation happening where every single people now are kind of feeling the need to reclaim new forms of signification. It sounds like it sounds like um to what I know of psych uh philosophy like the ancient philosophy was that was about how to how to understand the world and yourself in it in terms of almost like self-improvement like in the in the modern sense like how to improve yourself like the meditations and stoicism uh versus like a lot of philosophy now is like uh is the soul separate from the body like uh descartes dualism like which is a little different um it sounds like the philosophy that you're working on right now um is very much kind of in this almost in a similar ancient vein and this once again this shows my ignorance but like uh, uh in that sense that it's trying to develop a framework to help people reconnect to the meaning of their lives versus like a, like a Descartian is your soul separate from your body type thing. It's more like, not like, like self-help in like a bad way, but like in a way helping people find their self. Um, that's, it's very um, interesting. You're saying that I, I have this uh, tendency uh, to always try to find what's useful in different authors and mm -hmm. so i do not compartmentalize uh, so much i recently um, discovered the work of um Averis, uh, which is this uh, muslim theologian jurist uh, from the middle age and he has this absolutely fascinating philosophy of happiness uh, that has to do with a very specific, what I will call a very specific technique of the soul, where basically um, he is trying to tell us we have the capacity to experience our mode of existence is through experience. And then from these experiences, we move to the memory. So memory or our singularity is the experience we're going to go through throughout our life. So you are a singular person because of the experience you went through and the memories you have from those experiences. And so in phenomenology, this will be called retention. You know, you retain from the flu of experience a certain modality of creating a consciousness and then 
you have a set secondary retention, which is your memory, what you gain from that. So that's, you know, from middle age to the 20th century, uh, that would be two different ways of thinking about what I see, see is being the same thing. But what is very different is that Averroes is going to offer a way for us to uh, emancipate ourselves uh, from the potential loop that this creates. Okay, I have an experience and I'm going to have a memory that's going to condition my next experience and I'm going to have a memory and going to mm. condition my experience. Because if you think in terms of the whole genealogy of trauma, uh, we need to be able to repair and we need yeah. to be able to heal. And we really need to do it on a massive scale because uh, history has proven, and especially the West has a responsibility in regard to the harm they've, they've done and continue to do. And so Averroes is suggesting that we reclaim our capacity for fantasies and fantasm. When you have, um, yeah, uh, fantasm, no? That doesn't work. I know what you mean. Yeah, I don't know what, uh, I know like uh, to fantasize? Yeah, to fantasize. But you know, so uh, to fantasize in um in with with psychoanalysis fan to fantasize is like well you know I have this object of desire and I'm gonna just completely project and it's gonna be my fantasy you know it's gonna be my I'm gonna fantasize around that and he's he's saying something so much more interesting seven hundred years before is saying no our fantasies are the images we cultivate hmm. to better make sense of our memory and our experience and redirect what we want to leave, what we want to experience next. And I found it very interesting because it's calling a question, which is what are our dreams? As collective beings on this planet, what are we collectively dreaming of? And I feel, I feel like as long as we are not answering this question, the earth can go so bad and, and politics can go so wrong. And we're not going to gather. I find that the more we ask ourselves collectively, what would be our dream planet in 50 years? Mm-hmm. I think we should we should start there, as opposed to say, in 50 years, the future is going to be so bad. Well, okay, if we say that, it is going to be terrible for the majority of people that are already suffering from, you know, this capitalist attractive uh, mode of governing life. And so I am, I believe that we need to ask ourselves more often, is my dream and your dream looking on the, at the same, in the same direction? For mm-hmm. in 20 years, in 30 years, in 50 years, because we have the capacity. That's also 
I don't believe that this is too late. Yeah. Nature and also some completely extra extraordinary people have proven that unless we did, it's too late. Mm -hmm. So we have the capacity and we've so we saw that with nature during COVID. <laughs> there is um, there is potential always. It's really interesting the um the person you mentioned, this idea that of breaking generational trauma, what's happiness. Um at the same time, like in America for instance, I don't know what how it is uh and your your neck of the woods, but in America, like the most, the average person can't afford like a five hundred dollar expense, and so uh, it doesn't take much to have a five hundred dollar expense, and then, like have it like really mess you up. I think like the number one cost of uh, bankruptcy in America is like hospital bills, which is pretty terrible. Yeah. And so um, I was just thinking, you know, generational trauma, a vision for the future, and in a world, at least in my neck of the woods, where a lot of people are looking like month to month for life, and then yeah. so it's like, how do you get people to have a vision 50 years in the future if they're concerned about you know how do i save enough money so i can get my kid like a present for christmas without it like making it so i can't afford milk in january um and then if it's happening in america which is generally like a pretty prosperous place then what's it like for everyone else on the planet um when there's a lot of people who live in poverty or who can't like hunger is still a really big thing so i, I wonder i wonder about these uh like that type of thing um how do we achieve a vision when we're looking at the ground? Absolutely. This is this is the a fundamental question. I'm very happy you you are asking it. We have for a long time measured happiness with economic access, economic progress, and technological progress. Actually, uh, there are countries where the level of happiness is much higher than the first world power country, which is the United States. The United States has implemented uh, what Ben Astrid called the, the misery, a symbolic misery that is taking people to a level of poverty uh, that has created powerlessness. The, the, the implication of the system means that there is no time to anticipate, to dream, to uh, foster uh, deeper attention to potential um, uh, way out. And this is uh, this is a systemic way in which uh, the different ecology, what Felix Guattari calls a different ecology, which is you know psychic and environmental and economic, um, are really constrained to keep people enslaved to the economy of the capital, as opposed to an economy of anticipation an, um, an economy that will foster imagination that will foster uh, dreaming if you ask 
someone who is starving, what they are dreaming about, they're going to be completely conditioned by their basic needs. This is, this is the systemic problem of industrial uh, capitalist societies is that under the cover of providing technological progress, they have forgotten the basic need, which is emotional safety, physical safety, and everything that has to do with drinking good water, eating good food, and sleeping well. This, but, but the three most basic things are almost unsustainable in the United States. A doctor appointment can put you off for years just, just to go see the doctor. Uh, and this is a shame. The, that's why I call that the Western have forgotten to be shameful. <laughs> because the, the depth of the arm done on bodies, on, 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 on bodies that have suffered systemic discrimination to access to basic needs is uh, out of this out of this planet. We should we should have never allowed that kind of systemic implementation of suffering to happen. So I I completely agree with you that this is one of the most important questions. But I think it is important to know, to realize that this question of progress as of technological progress, also called economic progress, have lured us into taking it for happiness. Mm -hmm. We do not buy happiness, ever. But starving, not being safe, knowing your loved ones are not safe, mm -hmm. it's going to completely condition whether you're happy or not, obviously. But there is in the tweak, in the ideological tweak, how technological progress has, take, has been used as an alibi for the implementation of systemic powerlessness. Hmm. What, so for people who are living in this world, are there, um, I guess, is there a way to escape helplessness and start like moving towards a, a direction of, of meaning in their life is there um either in the philosophy you're developing or maybe in some like uh, other people you've read um to break out of the mold and start changing it because it's it's about i don't know how long capitalism has been around but i think it's like a couple hundred years like three four hundred years something like that like so not it's not like we've had it for like thousands of years um maybe like capitalism shifts and like i don't know if you're a fan of like star trek for instance like star trek like they don't have capitalism in the future it's like um it's like merit-based uh improvements of yourself or something like your whole life is dedicated to improving yourself and like that's how like your currency or something like that someone who knows star trek can like cite <laughs> me on this uh so how would someone break out of helplessness or is the question how can we uh restructure society so that people uh aren't helpless in the first place so i am not gonna say the obvious mm. which is you know tax storage <laughs> that would be i mean if we could Tomorrow, 
people will stop dying out of starvation tomorrow. You know, this is mm. um, recently um, in France, just to give you an example, a very concrete example, uh, one politician uh, just agreed to give the 15 million euros uh, that cover half of the expense we need in France. Uh, so this union that has been created maybe 40 years ago now, or maybe 30 years ago now, um, and that is a union that delivers food and free parcels of food for the more, you know, the, the poorest. Um, they, with the inflation, people uh, cannot give so much. And with the inflation, there are more people who really need it. So this guy came and did like a big TV uh, everywhere in the media. He just gave 15 million. That only represents 0.0047% of his wealth. Mm -hmm. So this is a marketing tool. It's not solidarity. I believe that if we implement radical solidarity and collaboration, collaborative economy, we can start going out of this trap, which is a very neoliberal trap where an individual is going to measure his success based on his economic uh, ascension. Mm. Uh, I believe that if we collaborate, meaning that if we mutualize uh, our uh, wealth, we can go much further uh, and we can make bigger uh, changes. You know, mutualizing our wealth starts by, by saying that if you are my neighbor and you have a hammer, I don't need to have a hammer. You have a hammer. I can use and borrow your hammer. Uh, if you, if I have a car and you and I am your neighbor, you don't need to buy a car. We can mutualize my car and share. You know, the sharing economy is a, in a very radical way. The collaborative economy, the solidarity economy, those should be the values dictating our economy. Um, and and we. <clears throat> and we see it being uh, implemented on a local level, on a neighborhood level, uh, on a on a village, small town level. Uh, and I swear, I believe that the 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 tools, digital tools, can be retained to be used as platform for a sharing economy. For collaborative economy, uh, that will mean that we all invest first on a small level to create a pool of resources that can then, then start to create a cycle of good. And to create this pool, we could tax the rich. <laughs> we could, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple answer, um, but um, it goes, the ramification of this kind of um, system 
can go very far because mm -hmm. it it is uh, it's a shift in paradigm in the way we think in them we think of our resources then we don't think of in them uh, 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 we don't think about our resources in terms of my relationship to a resource that I'm taking and I'm extracting from something else from someone else but more a relational uh, way in which I'm going to take care of this resource uh, because this resource can be useful to others for different usage and, and, and function. Is it, um, so I think the Nordics have, uh, like the Scandinavian models is, is basically like a higher tax burden with like, which essentially results in like a little bit more socialism. But it's it's essentially just capitalism with more tax than like the tax gets uh, set up so that you have like healthcare and all these other benefits. Is it that type of model that you see, or is it more like a so is it like a more implementation of like a socialistic model, or like or is there like an if it's not, it's like some type of hybridization of like higher tax capitalism with the the caveats that you mentioned, or is it the transition from capitalism to a different form of uh of government like uh, socialism or any other fun ones that exist out there. Um, so <clears throat> the the problem is that, as you just mentioned, um, capitalism has become a form of governing people mm -hmm. that was not supposed to be the case once economy and politics are the same, then there is no way the state is gonna uh, go out of its way to make sure the safety of its citizen is um, secured, uh, then you will have economic biases. Uh, so mm -hmm. you just mentioned one of the problems. I believe that um, to give uh, people a radical new trajectory, uh, we need to transition out of capitalism as a mode of um, connecting resources and delivering uh, needs uh, i just uh i just came back from a from a colloquium that happened in france and, and there were scientists uh and um, different intellectuals from different uh, kind of disciplines and um someone uh it was is an astrophysicist uh, so especially of you know the cosmos uh, helped us have a experience of the stuff. Um, and this moment is completely unproductive in terms of a capitalist regime where you should you should be able to produce you know something that can be used within the um, uh, capitalist framework. I believe that what should be valued more is is the way that we are completely in a, a intermittent. There are moments where we can be extremely um, engaged uh, and we can work, uh, we can develop our craft, we can be um, very good at it, uh, we can be uh, very efficient, uh, we can collaborate, and there are moments Inherently, we need breaks. We need time away. We need to recuperate. We need to reconvene with ourselves, with our loved ones. We need those 
ambivalent or anti-intermittent rhythm. Capitalism is not about the rhythm. It is about the constant, what Jonathan Crary told, say this is 24-7. At the end of this intermittent way in which the human beings, like animals, like anything that is alive, is uh, constantly alternating by, with moments of, um, of deep connection and deep um, uh, re retrieval, you know. And, and uh, what, we, what we see in different non-industrial so countries uh, is that we see a different uh, relationship to so-called unproductive time. Time for relation, time for family, time mm. for taking care, time for being able to see if something needs attention, needs care, needs time. And, uh, and I think that there is something to say about having the right to unplug, <laughs> having mm -hmm. the right to heal, having the right to re rejuvenate, um, having the right to take a break, could be a part of a new system. Um, and it is, uh, it should be almost a, 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 a universal right, as opposed to this machine that is extracting uh, so much energy out of people and making them systematically sad. Because again, the question of why we are here is the question of how are we making ourselves happy. Mm -hmm. And the consumerist game is actually not making people happy. Yeah. This, is, this is proven now. Many times, mm -hmm. over and over. Yeah, I read um, that, like the focus on happiness,ism is more of like a Western thing. Where like in the East, they're more on community. It's either community or families. Like something. It's like it's not uh, at the focus on like uh, Singapore, like Singaporeans or people in China, is not on happiness. It's something about like the community or collective. Is the is the framework that you're proposing? geared more towards like the west or is it something that could be translated to like the east assuming that my uh the dichotomy is correct in what i'm saying but I, I was reading like that like our how we focus on relationships like you know happiness for one well i guess consumerism then happiness for one um consumerism to achieve happiness in, in the west and then um happiness through like community i suppose is like what the east does um so I think it would be interesting to have this conversation with people who are uh, trained in diverse mm -hmm. um, uh, school of thought. And because I already know that uh, when I was mentioning Averroes, it's not really happiness that he was using. It's beatitude and beatitude. I would have to know the, the, the word in Arabic. Um, mm. that has then be translated into Latin and then being translated into French. Uh, and I, I think that um, it's important to keep the definition open, mm. not to dictate what it will mean, but more as a, as a, as a fill uh, uh, for 
the possibility of morphing this into its peace, or if it is wisdom, or if it is family, or if it is a sense of home, or if it mm. is a sense of now what we call happiness. Um, I, I think this is you know, much more interesting to see how can we develop practices that uh, reclaim those forms of open values um, that are making um, individuals, both psychic and collective individuals, connect. Um, usually, you know, we say a baby when he's born, they are born, they, they, they need water, food, and love equally. You remove the love, they die. You remove the water, they die. You remove the food, they die. So we equally need um, that, you know, soul uh, bursting feeling of love. Uh, in a mm -hmm. very concrete way, and I and I and I believe this is a value that has to be um, reclaimed. Um, I don't really care so much about technical progress if it mm -hmm. is at the cost where we forget that we're not here to pile up knowledge. We're here to um, be love and love and to be able to love. This is a te text by Giordano Bruno that I really like. Um, the guy uh, who will discover um, the satellite of Neptune before Galileo Galilei. And then he has this very short book on bonds, uh, les liens, and uh, you know, I really believe this is important to Reclaim a society that creates an environment where we can desire, be desired, um, and 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 in a in an environment where that that is desirable, mm -hmm. um, that has the three components almost. Um, so so whoever exists can flourish, as opposed to. You know those very, very, very narrow definition of what someone uh, should be, how someone should be, how someone should behave, how someone should become. You know this kind of injunction that only serving this patriarchal, heteronormative, racist, capitalist society, which you know this is. All those categories were so beautifully explained by Bell Hooks, the 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 fantastic um, Afro-American writer uh, and activist and thinker Bell Hooks, and I I I believe uh, I mean I'm very inspired by this audacity of reclaiming that this is what is important is love in the first place. And in the last place, I believe, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it sounds yeah. like the the framework you're proposing has the has the ability to support different meanings for life. You know, like for instance, like your meaning could be focusing on love. Maybe my my meaning for my life is like focusing on building houses for people to love. 
for instance. Like, like so I think it sounds like the, the framework allows for multiple meanings of what life is, and it just supports people uh, towards that meaning that brings them that feeling that you're talking about. Exactly. This is, you know, one philosopher that I really like. His name is Gilbert Simondon. And he's, um, he's someone who has worked on technique and technology. And he's saying, you know, an individual uh, needs to be part of the trajectory of a society to feel like they can exist. And the problematic with the Western paradigm of inclusion and exclusion, that it is constantly telling, no, you're different, you're not in. Okay, you're in, but you kind of have to change this and that. This is not working. <laughs> and it's not making people feel good. And it's not even making people feel safe. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's such a it's a very ingrained paradigm of inclusion, inclusion where, where the communication around that is commanding the life of the people. And, and I really believe that on the, on the contrary, um, whatever practice, collective practice, individual practice that foster that sense of being part of the same trajectory for a vision for the future that really can foster, um, how we make sense of this moment. And the earth is claiming us to react and collectively engage. And I, be, I know we outnumber them by far. <laughs> so this is, uh, you know, if a carpenter is good at carpentry, might this be their love? And if, um, if a musician is good at 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 musicing, might that be that love, you know? But and good becomes this practice of fostering um, a place uh, where um, we are no longer dictated. Um, there is that, and there is also the responsibility. I feel like. That's why I keep saying the West has a big debt, huge debt to the world. And this means that whoever is in a privileged position should know their place and should act in a way that they collaboratively uh, act in solidarity at their own scale. And, and acting in a down scale is knowing what you're good at and, and, and diving deeper and deeper into what you're good at so you can spread uh, more uh, love and energy and resources and, and transmit uh, whatever resource you have um, at your own scale. Uh, but that is, a, that, that is creating a movement of deflagration. Um, and, and, I, and I believe that um, this responsibility of knowing uh, your position uh, is a responsibility that also call uh, us to act according to this, you know, possibi possibility to 
to create a new strategy, to, to, to bifurcate um, and create a new trajectory where we can see long term collectively, as opposed to be dictated by this, you know, futuristic end of the world. Well, we're going to go there. If we continue, we're going to go there. Only if you are going to survive and maybe not the one, the one that we always <laughs> will survive. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the best book on finding meaning when like that I've read so far is the Manster for Meaning by Victory Frankel. I don't know if you've ever read it, but the other it's really good. Um it if, if you're if you're in a good mood, read that book and it'll level you out. <laughs> it's like it's pretty sad too. The guy, uh the writer went through Auschwitz and it's like him like journaling and explaining like how to find meaning no matter what happens like comes your way it's like well if you can find it there it's like you can find it anywhere but is there are there frameworks for finding meaning for people who haven't found it like i think a lot of people want meaning want to find their meaning but they don't know how to do it um i mean i think that i will go back to the body as opposed to first going back to the brain mm-hmm. um and in the body i will go to you know reclaiming a a, a space uh, for boredom, what uh, Manouche the Morodi called you know the bored and brilliant uh, paradigm. Um, when we don't let ourselves be bored, we let ourselves be bombarded by external stimulus that mm. are not gonna uh, always feed our soul, they're gonna just feed our time. That's why it's called feed, <laughs> you know, maybe. Um, but it's, it's, it's important to to reclaim a sense of calm so you can go back to yourself. Uh, and in that sense of calm, um, find the tiny, tiny movement that uh, are, are, are calling you to to know yourself. Um, of course, there are books uh, that are extremely um, powerful, uh, but um, and I'm thinking about hope in the dark. Uh, I'm thinking about um, the master's tool won't dismantle the master's house by Othello. This is very very wonderful um book uh there is um the the discourse and speeches by tony morrison uh talking about you know a powerful voice that is helping you understand uh some of the systemic way in which you know culture uh, and existence and experience is are related um I mean, I am a complete uh, lover of um, Spinoza, so um, it's pretty difficult to read. But once you read and reread and reread, you you find a lot of uh, pearls of wisdom. Um, but I will say that it's so precious when an individual reclaims their sense of self by. Tuning, tuning down inner critic, but also tuning down the 
outside world that is constantly giving stimulus and 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 letting the mind wander mind wandering is one of the most fruitful activity one can do if they want to reinvent um their you know environment and and even invent projects um and this is usually one of the first things that is being like cut don't let our mind wander we want to be predictive or we want to receive responses and answers Mind wandering is actually a, a practice of the self and of the soul where you can reclaim uh, a bit of the pieces of the puzzle of who you are, as opposed to have someone else tell you, okay, this is this is what you should do, you know. I think it's uh, it's good to be very singular. But again, you know, there are also real material conditions of existence. And sometimes it is one of the most difficult things when we are so preoccupied by our own needs that are not met. Uh, how to yeah. mind wander when we are having something when we don't mm -hmm. feel safe. It's always yeah. important to put back in in consideration. Yeah. So it's interesting. I haven't uh I've heard like Neil Gaiman talk about how when he was writing like like put himself in a state of boredom because then you start thinking of creative ideas and he'd say like if you like sit down at the table if you're trying to write and just sit there and like let yourself be bored so it's really interesting to hear this concept of boredom because i've heard meditation right as like which is really more like focusing on the present and kind of like relaxing your thoughts and so it's an interesting concept of like like boredation or something where like you're, you deliberately just try to like let your brain go wherever it wants to go uh, and if that, you know, we should like make that as a thing. I don't know, have an app. Because uh, when 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 you do it, um, do you literally just like, I don't, you have like a very beautiful environment behind you. So I imagine like that chair behind you, you could just sit there and like you don't put music on, you just kind of look out the window, like let your mind wander. Do you like journal it down? Like how do you, um, how do you do boarditation, I guess? Like how, how, do you, like, uh, you know, how do you do that? You just created a new concept. Um, so I I do it in a, in, in, uh, two ways, I would mm. say. Uh, the first way is through the body because I am very lucky to now have moved to the mountain. It's actually, um, as I said <laughs> in the before the interviews, this is not my home. <laughs> it's a friend's house. Uh, it's in Paris, and I do not live in Paris anymore. Mm. But I do live in the mountains. I'm very lucky to have... Um, and decided to start over a bit and um and I live in the mountains and I walk and I walk paths that I know and so mm. I'm not wondering where I should go and if this is dangerous uh because I have lived in dangerous cities uh in and this is this should be a right as well to feel safe walking which is really not the case in many many parts of the world but luckily um uh, i feel very grateful i can walk and i do walk and i let my mind wander uh and uh and there is something about my body indicating whether i'm relaxed whether i'm happy whether i am sad whether i need 
to push a little further and continue to walk. Um, I do that and I do painting. Um, it's a moment where I'm not dictating anything. I'm just letting my hand go and I continue to paint and paint and paint up until for some reason, I don't know why it's finished. Um, and I think that we all have this ability to go back to a moment of childhood where we all found ourselves so bored <laughs> that we have developed a few things with a little doodles or, or you know, thinking and looking through the window or whether it was like the bus ride or whatever, where we felt also some form of comfort in reclaiming um, this ability we have to dream, mm -hmm. to think, to be creative, uh, as opposed to be anxious, worried, uh, concerned, uh, concerned in the sense, you know, worried. I really think that um, creative thinking, mind-wandering, um, Bottom as bow meditation, how do you say that? <laughs> Bo meditation, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, are powerful tools not to be uh, revalued because they do not fit in the productive driven values of the capital. Uh, I think it's, um, yeah, it's kind of like where everything started for me when. I was a theater teacher in the outskirts of Paris. Um, if some, if you know, the outskirts um, can be very, very wealthy, extremely wealthy, and extremely poor. Uh, you know, migrants packed into ghetto-like structures, and. Um, I was giving workshops to school babies, you know, kindergarten, uh, mostly kindergarten uh, kids. And I, I I grew up in a theater. My mom, mom was a seamstress. Uh, she mm -hmm. was um, working as a seamstress in theater. So for me, imagination was, so fundamental to liberation, to freedom, to sense of freedom and self, to, to play, to playing with reality. It was like a, that everyone was, you know, thinking this way. And I started to give uh, workshops in the neighborhoods where we grew up and uh, the kids that were now, you know, four years old, they kept improvising with exactly the same thing they saw on TV. Mm. And it took me two months and a half to let them improvise with their own brain. Two months uh, of exercises so to detoxify images from their brain so they feel that they can create and perform with, I will always remember this young kid that like performed, you know, a, a blind person with 
a, a dog and, and in suddenly we could see the entire character of this little kid. And I was really shocked because I was also giving um, workshops in, in a very wealthy neighborhood uh, for just one year to, yeah, someone, they, they needed someone. And the rich kids, they could improvise in 20 minutes. They had no, no problem imagining a world, telling you what is in this world, uh, being someone else, uh, feeling super comfortable navigating different types of character. And that social injustice ingrained already so early in the brain of the kids dictated the entire work I've been doing for the past 15 years. Because to me, it is so important that we reclaim our ability to imagine how, how we want to live. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's interesting because one of my questions I was going to ask you is like, I wonder if you could like collectivize, like if you could get like a bunch of people and like make them bored or, or inspire them to dream. And so it's interesting that's where you started is uh, how seeing how the different ways kids would dream. I wonder how they. I wonder uh, what it'd be like if you like, if you grabbed the parents as well and put them in the class, but then you randomized it so you didn't know like which ones were wealthy, which ones weren't, and then tried getting them to dream. If like the, because like apparently magicians they don't like doing magic in front of kids because kids don't kids don't make assumptions like uh, adults do. Like there's a lot of what we see is which is like we talked about this a little bit, but like we condition our brain to see what we want it to see. That we're training ourselves to see something. And so uh, kids don't have that. They'll ask like tons of questions like, is it the thumb? You have a fake thumb. You're putting it in the, like, they'll, they'll like call out the thing because they don't assume they can't see it or like it's this or that. Uh, and so like magicians don't like doing magic in front of kids because they kids can li typically like pick out what the magic is. And it kind of like, you know, the mag magician's like sad. Um, so I wonder what the difference would be at, with fully adult people uh, who can't see, like they won't like, their assumptions stop them from seeing the magic. What that would do to uh to like see if you could get them to dream again, or like how how quickly could you get them to dream from internal intuition versus like external uh, intuition? That'd be kind of a fun experiment. Yeah, I mean they they are you know um, exercises that are um, that we call you know constellation, um, hmm. where it's a method. It's a healing method, actually. Uh, it comes from um, a psychologist uh, in Germany um, and then different school within that practice of thinking about uh, our reality as a system of energetic books um, and where we are born, where we evolve, like a map, a constellation map of um, diverse relationship, energetic uh, relationship. And um, I think that what is important is to see that in adults, most of the barriers that are in between, you know, mind wandering and uh, ourselves, or ourselves able to mind wander is uh, traumatic experiences. Because traumatic experiences in an adult will lead that person to repeat, compulsively repeat 
uh, you see that when, for instance, a friend of yours comes to say something, uh, they had a bad encounter or they had some, and they keep repeating the same thing. They, they, mm. After two minutes, you got the interaction, <laughs> but they need to repeat it and to repeat mm. it. And that's only what they see. They mm. haven't had the uh, ability yet to extract themselves, look at it differently, and liberate themselves mm. from the experience. Uh, and so when it's just a small uh, interaction, you know, that can be healed. Well, we have a drink, we talk through it, okay, we feel better, or, you know, we go have a walk, or, you know, we do something. But if it's years and years of conditioning, then before we can mind wander, we kind of have to find a safe place. That's why I was saying we need to find places where the where the where the individual is at peace. Uh, their needs are met. They can start to repair. They can start to reclaim and recuperate their energy to then. Uh, wonder, mind wonder, uh, mind, you know, dream, creative, think. Um, uh, to go back to this example of the magician, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, I mean, it's another form of manipulation. <laughs> um, and it's, um, and there are many mod modalities in which, you know, and our, our environment is manipulating us, you know, manipulating us to sit a certain way on a chair by design or responding to a certain, you know, behavioral um, response. If we think, if we hear a ring, uh, we know we need to go, uh, you know, get food or whatever. You know? So uh, it's, a, it's a form of manipulating uh, many uh, behaviors. That says about our capacity to automatize you know we automatize a lot of our behavior we we even don't even think about what we what we do in the daily gestures it's becoming you know part of ourselves and that's where to go back to technology we need to be careful when we do not think about the way in which we interact uh, with those interfaces because then the technology becomes the magician it makes us see whatever we want. They want to see us uh, to see. Uh, mm -hmm. They make us do whatever they want us to do. So you know, it's very important to reclaim this childlike uh, way of questioning, <clears throat> of questioning, out and also of being amazed and surprised. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. The uh... I think that for anyone who's like finding it hard to do this, I think maybe finding like a mental health counselor, assuming you have good insurance for it and whatnot, to like kind of help create that safe space so you can explore these concepts and then, you know, break that cycle would be really useful. Like, um, I think, uh, maybe this is like a Western, like uh, an American thing, but there's like a lot of like, oh, I'm gonna do this myself. <laughs> like, there's like a bullet hole in my foot, like, I'm gonna, you know, banish myself, but like, it's hard to see the problem when the problem's in your brain, you know, like they're, I don't know if it's you, but like sometimes I'll have a thought, and I'll be like, "Oh, that's a great thought. Like this is this is great." But then if I write it down, it's like that was not a great thought. <laughs> you know, I'm glad it died there. That I, um, it has happened to all of us. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, 
so write it out get it out of your head and if it's like you're still finding yourself there like it's not, i think like maybe find a mental health counselor to help you with that um similar to board mortification uh it's like i think we're talking about like uh detoxing a little bit do you do you do do you like limit your connection like your interaction with the digital world or the internet or whatever so that you can be bored or so you can be purposeful in the rest of your life is do you find like any value in doing something like that absolutely Mm. um so one thing that i when i what i say um is if you go on facebook on insta on youtube uh, don't just absorb mm. do something create a video create uh, a post uh create uh um take a picture uh, for you to you know um, uh, look at the reality differently if you feel like you you need to but don't just check in to fill a void mm -hmm. because the, the problem is that this automatic behavior of checking in and looking at the feed and looking at the feed and scrolling and looking at the feed it is by design making us sad it is by design making us hooked. These mm -hmm. are irres irresistible technologies. You know that's the name of the book, and I just don't remember the the, the name of the author. But um, my advice is that um, it's the same for you know young kids. Do not let let them just absorb. Let them create. Let them use this technology to do something else with it. Because if they are only consumer, and if we are only consumer, uh, then we are dispossessed from all this thing, from this singular relationship we can have with technology, and then with you know, and our, our environment. So I have. Uh, you know, regiment uh, <laughs> around uh, those very irresistible technology, and I often do wreck. Mm -hmm. um, just to reclaim some focus and sense of self. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a uh, good timing for me because, like, uh, I didn't like in, in the course of this conversation, I realized, like, wow, I really do like stack my day so I don't have boredom. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, I gotta be like so focused on this. It's like, I wonder how I'm gonna experiment for like the next like three weeks. I'm like deliberately uh, introducing it to my life because I, I see like fortification. That's the new <laughs> this new term we coined. <laughs> it's like something that can be really useful, like detox and stuff. So this is like, uh, like it's it's almost like as I'm I'm listening, it's like, oh wow, I'm I'm like doing all <laughs> these bad things or potentially bad things. I'm gonna experiment to see how bad they are for my life. But I know we're we're coming to the end, so I'm gonna ask like the rapid fire questions uh, to respectful for your time. Uh, and you, you're welcome to do like pass if you find the question boring and uh, people in the comments can make fun of me for asking it. But um, so do you have, we've been talking about technology. Do you have a favorite tech gadget? Is there like a gizmo or gadget that you think is really cool? Um, oh, that's such a great question. <laughs> um, so technology. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I bought an electric bike that has mm -hmm. uh um because i live in the mountains so i'm not powering through i'm not 
good enough. And um, and the 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 bike is now calling me to know my roads uh, yeah. and and the the tiny little roads. Um, and so I have downloaded this app uh, that is called Epigeny, and it's layers of mapping of the world with all the little, you know, secret paths to go through the mountains of many places in the world. Mm. And that is definitely my best gadget at the moment. Yeah, Epigeny. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna check that out. Sorry, yeah, that, that sounds really cool. Uh, the the bike, especially because it's like it's preserving your knees. Even if you were, you know, Lance strong enough to go up the mountain, the I hear electric bikes like they make it so your knees don't get like blown out. So even even if you could, they do make it, it's, like, it's probably... so easy. Yeah, and you're still ridiculous. pedaling too. Yeah, yes, you're still pedaling. I am, but... Yeah, yes. but it's like a tur turbo. Um, mm -hmm. and sometimes I go very fast anyway. <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely my favorite device at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check out the app, and I've been wanting to get an electric bike. Uh, but it's very flat in the Midwest, as you know. So it's like, uh, yeah, so it's like, uh, uh, I need to find the mountains to to use it. Um, the uh, I actually answered my next one, which is what app can't you live without? You, you, you probably that app that you just mentioned is probably the one you you pretty can't live without. Is there any other one? Uh, I use Signal instead of WhatsApp. Uh, and this is my mm. communication tool with my friends that are abroad. And Signal uh, is really uh, incredible. Uh, and so I recommend this app. And and I recommend everyone to use apps that preserve their data and mm. communication. So Signal, yes. Great. I'll, I'll check it out because the I use WhatsApp, but I, I don't like it. Like. I I'd rather just someone just email me because I'm old and I have very stubby fingers. So, but uh, I'll check out Signal because I I think I've read that the WhatsApp you're like being data mined pretty intensively. Where Signal, uh, they're like priority. I think they even have some components of it open source, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll have to check that out as well. Um, do you have any tech pet peeves? Um. So something that. Is really like something I hate that you. Yeah. Would yeah. Um, usually, usually it's like it can be quite petty too. It's like maybe I don't know, like the the co-working equivalent would be like someone who chews with their mouth open, like a foot away from you. Like that's peppy. Uh, I guess I heard. Uh, no, I I I, I actually I, I really. Yeah, I I don't because the one that I don't really appreciate, I know they have nothing so much, so much to offer to humanity. So I know they won't, they will disappear. <laughs> um, and the others, I just wait until people use them for another usage than what they are dictated to. So I believe that in all technology, there is something that can be retrieved mm. and that can be up that can be useful so i don't think i have one hmm. yeah yeah it all depends how we use things again i don't know yeah. that's fair and then uh you've recommended a bunch of books so i'll skip that one because the normally i ask people for book recommendations but there's been like books the whole time so that's great for me and then uh what would be the so people are really interested in what we've talked about today you have a website 
I think I have two websites. We have a website and a service, and a website with a service. Uh, is there one place to stay up to date with all your work? Uh, yeah, there is anaisnoni.com, and that's where you can find a lot of my written works. Um, I am setting up uh, other channels uh, for people to be able to access uh, more uh, digestible uh, forms of work. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I will say anaisnoni.com, or for the creators, thinkers, uh, people who want to explore mind wandering they can uh, check out uh, my website which is called the right technique and mm -hmm. this is really a way to you know reclaim focus and and yeah and get some ideas on the page collectively yeah 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 the uh yeah the service you makes that, that you do makes more sense now that we've had this entire conversation it's basically like the distillation as a service of what you believe for the future which is really cool um then I, you've answered all my questions. I want to thank you, Anise. I just want to feel like now I'm like worried. I'm not going to say your name right, Anise, uh, for coming on the show today. <laughs> yes, yes, Anise. Yes, you you said it perfectly the first time, and yes, this is Anise. Yeah, thank yeah, you so well, much for the invitation, and I feel like the time passed very fast. So yeah, and thank you for your questions, and uh, and yeah, thank you for setting up this YouTube and, and creating this uh, place for people to share their ideas. So thanks for having me.